2: and welcome to the long-delayed and largely anticipated episode 173 of Linux in the Ham Shack. We are glad to have you with us tonight. I am your host Russ, K5TUX, and with me tonight is Bill, NE4RD from Big Bargain Country, Montana. (laughs) Woohoo! And we also have Cheryl, who sits across from me.
1: Hello everyone.
2: And we're going to talk about some Linux, and we're going to talk about some ham, and we're going to talk about some ham linux and linux ham and all kinds of stuff and we uh were recently on episode 57 of the ham radio 360 podcast came out a couple of days well yesterday actually that was yeah, kind of cool. good it did sound good he made us sound smart
3: yeah i'm impressed <laughs> Ex- excellent post edit <laughs> yeah yeah how do you get all those guys to say such good things <laughs> i don't know
2: it's amazing how that worked but want to thank kale and the the group over there for uh A fun time that we had recording that, and I hope everybody gets a chance to check them out at HamptonRadio360.com. With that, we're going to move into the amateur radio topics for tonight, and the first one is kind of a sad day, and that is the Amateur Electronics Supply AES has announced that it's closing operations as of the end of this month, July 2016. HRO apparently is going to acquire some of their assets. The Milwaukee-based retailer has four locations around the country, including milwaukee cleveland ohio las vegas nevada and orlando has long been the nation's second largest ham radio dealer after ham radio outlet no reason was given for the decision guessing lack of revenue no reason was given to close the business effective at the closing of aes on july 28 2016 all former aes locations direct telephone numbers and toll-free location numbers will be redirected to the closest hro so as not to disrupt providing service to the AES customer base, which is me, partly. Uh, additionally, effective on July 28th, the www.aesham.com website will be directed to www.hamradio.com also, so as not to disrupt service for the AES Online customer base. I always bought stuff from AES Ham because they generally had better deals than Ham Radio. But, uh, yeah,
3: yeah I, used to buy, uh, I used to go up to the one in Orlando all the time.
2: Well, that's when you lived in Florida and when Orlando yeah. was actually up from you.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, Not anymore. Technically down like, from you now. Yeah, I, I probably haven't ordered from, from AES since the 90s, so that's, it's been a while. I'm probably the reason why they, they're out of business. There you go. <laughs> it's all your fault. Yeah. I have an antenna. My one purchase every three to four years, right? Right. I have an antenna on the roof,
2: my two-meter antenna that I bought from AES Ham. is still up there. Uh, but it's got to come down because I need a dual bander. So, <laughs> and I was going <laughs> to buy one from AES, but now I can't.
1: Well, you so, can until yeah. tomorrow.
3: Well, I can not until tomorrow. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I believe uh, everything already already forwards over to I'm hamradio.com. Sure uh, com, so yeah. So
2: anyway, yeah. a link to the information on that will be in the show notes. But of course, you can just go to hamradio.com to figure out where all of their assets have gone since it's uh, now at hamradio.com. Which I think their main store, their their home office is actually in New Hampshire, I think, and that's my home state, so plus for that, I suppose.
3: Yeah, and I think they're keeping that Milwaukee store open, too, so that'll be the, the new HRO location. They're going to reopen and rebrand that store as a as an HRO yeah. brick-and-mortar shop.
1: The AES goes over yeah. to Ham Radio. It,
3: yeah. So.
2: Well, that's all right. It's, you'll still be able to go to hamradio.com and buy your ham radio gear if you want, so there you go. All right, so uh, what's this thing about hamdb.org?
3: Yeah, hamdb.org. This is brought to you by KK6NLW and KD6DL. Of course, I didn't get their names, but uh, (laughs) currently it's uh, it's a free amateur radio call book that offers its data in four friendly formats, HTML, XML, JSON, and CSV. This is a no subscription fee, no account needed, no ads, no session ID, no lookup limits, just free data and friendly formats. Their database is updated as often as the the uh, license information comes out from the various organizations from Australia, Canada, uh, Germany, and U.S., and I think they're adding more as we speak. Um, it's nice. It's a lightweight interface. If uh, There's a link in the show notes right to it, but if you go to hamdb.org, you can uh, query your call sign, and you'll you'll see it in the list of recently queried call signs, and uh, it's really nice having... Uh, a nice, lightweight service, because I just forgot to renew my QRZ service, so I'm going to probably write me up a uh, <laughs> a lookup for HamDB from now on. There you go. And I'll be willing
2: to bet you can use hamdb.org to look up the names of KK6NLM and KD6DL.
3: Yeah, I bet you I could. I okay, bet I you
2: you I probably could do
3: that. I could do it, like, right now, but...
2: I so another call sign lookup database. Do they have a published API? It says it's available in four different formats, but is it strictly from the web in those formats? Like it, it can, uh, Generate output in those four formats, or yes. does it?
3: Yeah, literally, you uh, you can just type in hamdb.org hamdb. org slash your call sign slash and then the format you want XML, JSON, or uh, CSV, and it will spit it out in that format. If you query somebody's uh, name and the or your call sign in the application, it actually gives you uh, links down at the bottom for those other formats. So it would take you you know a very simple uh, you know curl or uh, whatever you want to right. go grab that information and parse it into your program.
2: So it's a RESTful API. So there you go. For people yes, who know yeah. what RESTful uh, REST is. And if you know what REST is, you know what a pain in the ass it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great in theory to be able to just uh, parse a URL and to have data generated uh, out of an application that you can plug into your own application, REST API. But if you've ever had to deal with one, they're a nightmare. That's a little deeper than we need to go, I think. Cheryl, do you want to read the next one?
1: Um. Sure.
2: Okay, good. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) Kids crucial to the future of amateur radio.
2: And adults, too.
1: Well, that's very true.
2: I'm looking at you.
3: Yeah, members. That's right.
1: And that was a scowl on my face, just
3: in case you didn't see that. They heard it loud and clear.
1: (laughs) Okay, so back back to the topic here. Kids crucial to the future of amateur radio. That was just one of the subjects that Stanwood uh, Camano, Camano? Amateur Radio Club, SCARC, covered Saturday, June 25th, during its annual amateur radio field day at the Stanwood Camano Community Fairgrounds. He said the SCARC was especially pleased to have over a dozen children attend because one of the kids or one of the club's goals is to raise youth's interest in radio communication. Participation by kids will be crucial to the advancement of radio technologies for future generations, Lawn said, and that came from slash z no, it, no.
3: it came from Eham. We, we yeah, probably I should discuss the e-ham. whole. Yeah, like,
1: yeah, yeah, right, yeah.
3: The yeah. yeah. <laughs> funny thing is, as really the story was kind of, eh, you know, whatever. But if you go to the link, it's just like the headline, you know, talks about kids and the picture they have on the story is these a uh, very two elderly gentlemen running the radio, and <laughs>
0: <laughs> I well, was kind like, of kids at oh, is- heart.
3: Yeah, this, this is doesn't make any sense. How can you do a story on kids and not have a picture of a few kids there, uh, you know, standing by the radio. Uh, so I I only included it because it was funny cuz of the picture. So, you know, <laughs> check out the show notes, click the link, go and look at it. It I don't know. It's 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 kind of humorous. You know, I I expect a kids story about amateur radio to have some pictures of kids and yeah. it did not. Well, there were a whole dozen <laughs> kids there. Yeah, a whole dozen. A whole yeah. dozen. Well, right. that's
1: better than zero. So just you look at it. You need three
3: that hands way. to count them all.
2: <laughs> no, just two hands and one foot. You'd be fine. Yeah, uh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah we'll, well, off air, we'll explain the whole URL thing to Cheryl
3: because I, ha- I haven't bothered with that yet. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah just I was obfuscate like, the uh, source for us to read it out. So. Right. right,
2: right.
1: <laughs> yeah, so. I was just like, wait, that's our
2: computer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a thing I'm doing, so we'll, we'll explain right.
3: it. Later.
1: Thanks for giving me that info before yeah, we Yeah, sorry started. for not giving you the heads up there.
3: Yeah, I think it's been on for like three shows already. So. Well, yeah, yeah, and I've missed like the last three shows, so... Oh, there you go. See what happens when you yeah. miss something?
2: Yeah, well, it's I'll, do the,
3: one. I'll do the next one. All right. Do this is actually one. a kid's story, too. Uh, you know, someone's on the air while at Scout Camp, a scout ranch in uh, Cimarron, New Mexico. Mike Cronover, uh, 85A, did an 84-mile hike with his son, Roy, AE5EB, and his grandson, Logan, KF5GYD, where they planned on activating two peaks in the 136,000-acre uh, scout camp. He had a crew of eight, two adults, and uh, six scouts on this trek, which was ca- classified as extremely strenuous, according to the camp's rating system. They worked uh, 39 chasers on two peaks, and looks like they had a trip to remember and they did have a uh, quite a few good photos there of the uh, setups uh, on the on the summits and uh, a lot of people are interested in doing those summits on the air you know this is a great experience for the scouts i'm actually considering uh, doing this in a couple weeks here when uh, our scouts uh, go up and try to summit uh, granite peak here in montana so I'm, i might might try to bring my radio up and activate uh, uh, the next peak over, because I'm I'm not doing Granite Peak. <laughs> Too scary. <for> me. <laughs> so what what is the elevation of Granite Peak? Uh, I think it's like twelve four or something like that. That that's, that's above sea level. What is it above ground? Uh, well, I think you enter in. Let's see, at East Rosebud at about sixty five hundred feet. Uh, so you still get over a mile climb. So it's pretty good. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got to do – it's a probably like a, I don't know, 15, 16-mile trek up to uh, Tempest Peak, which will probably be what I'll activate, and that's where we'll set up base camp, and uh, then the boys and uh, the guides will go over uh, the next uh, morning and uh, summit and come back that day to uh, Tempest Peak, and then, uh, yeah, then we'll hike back out to uh, East Rosebud. So, yeah, it's a really, cool, uh, really cool opportunity to test all the, uh, the gear and see if I really want to carry it in the future. Well,
2: do me a favor when they go up there and crest that, that peak – uh, let me know when they're going to be actually on the air cuz i'd like to hit that if possible
3: yeah yeah i mean none of the peaks up here uh, well you know in the in the Beratus have been activated for uh, summits on the air so it's kind of nice uh, every every peak is a new one and uh, it's just a matter of getting there which is not terribly easy right <laughs> it's a it's quite a hike i, I think uh, a couple of the easy ones i found is, is still like a 7 mile hike and uh, 2 to 3000 feet of elevation so right
2: and I'm not working soda or anything but it it would still be nice to get involved so
3: yeah yeah so if I get that uh, I'll probably log it in uh, if you if you go to the summits on the air website which I don't have linked here but uh if you go to their summits on the air website there is a a uh, whole list of activations and stuff like that too. If you if you ever if you ever are interested in it, uh, they've notify when they're going to be there, what time they're going to be on, and and generally they're going to be you know will be in the the QRP frequencies, so you know the upper upper parts of the uh, single sideband band for like twenty and uh, seventeen and stuff like that.
2: A couple of useful websites for that na-soda.org North American Soda activations and www.sotowatch.org relevant info on active sodas those should probably go in the show notes so i might make a note of those before the end of the show we'll see why is it that everybody <laughs> has
1: mountains except for missouri we
2: have mountains too but none the ho- of them are worthy of mentioning
1: yeah the highest point is tom sock and it's like 1700 feet
3: <laughs> it's like Woo, the uh the Ozarks are down there right
1: yeah 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 the prominence yeah. is 500 feet on tom sock
3: yeah so well, 17- my ha- yeah. my house sits at uh 3500 feet <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah,
2: you're in the high desert up there, sort of the high the high plains.
3: Yeah, I don't uh, even yeah, I know a, what the elevation. I got a, is I got a rim there. right behind the house here at 3,800 feet, so
2: must be fun getting over that with the antenna, right?
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't get any uh, any uh, Asiatic Russia or uh, Northern Europe, but you get a hell of a lot of reflection to the southwest, I bet. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I can work uh, South America like gangbusters. <laughs> there you go.
1: Yeah, the elevation of Mount Vernon, Missouri, is 1,211 feet. I think word. you have to leave
3: the state to go that low here. <laughs> <laughs> you probably do. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. So shifting gears to open source topics, we have some uh, information about Visual Studio Code, which has been released yeah. under the MIT license. For yeah, those
3: icky, that, Microsoft, right?
2: Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> For those that live outside the Emacs and Vim world, or Vi world, the... VS Code GUI-based editor is quite powerful and has access to tons of extensions that help make programmers' life easier. Available for Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. It's now MIT-based, which is open source but not copyleft. We have a link to that information in the show notes if you want to try out the Visual Studio Code editor, which I'm guessing you use, Bill.
3: I do, and I've tried it out on all three, and it works exactly the same. Which is amazing. So, you know, it's 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 another tool in the in the tool belt. I am still uh still a big fan of VI, uh <laughs> when I'm doing console work. Uh it's my personal editor of choice and I have all the plugins and crap for that as well. So So,
2: so do you use it up. even when you're not being like an open source <laughs> heathen and not coding your uh, C sharp or Visual Basic and that kind of stuff? No, not really. So, <laughs> <anyway>. <laughs> All right. So it's well, you know, I have
3: Visual Studio Enterprise. So you know, when I'm on Windows, I normally have to load that behemoth up, and uh, you know, I'm working on pretty large projects now. So, See? but it's good. It works. It works really well. It's, it's still. I think they have some improvements to make on the uh, launch time. It, it does launch, uh, I think, a little bit faster in Linux uh, than it does in Windows. No surprise there. <clears throat> and I'm actually, I have a build running on my Solus box here, so uh, it, it it runs really well there, and uh, the Mac box runs uh, just as well. And, yeah, they all look they look great. You know, you don't, no font rendering issues or anything else like that. So uh, something done right by Microsoft. All right. And speaking of Solus. Yeah, Operation Go more faster. Yeah, Solus is finally uh, running uh, a rolling release build as of uh, just, uh, I guess, last week. I'm trying to think. Yeah, maybe last week or, uh, or maybe the earlier part of this week. I know they pushed it a little bit and uh, didn't quite get it out. They were waiting to get a couple more packages into the repo. But uh, as of right now, uh, we are in a, they're in a rolling release on Solus, and I'm anticipating a FLTK library for uh, building all the uh, FL Digi stuff uh, coming out here shortly. I've been uh, kind of chatting back and forth with uh, the maintainer there, Ikey, over at Solus, and hopefully I, I, I can get him to build that out because uh, there, apparently there's quite a few uh, static links and stuff like that in the original build. You actually packaged FLTK something there. for Solus, didn't you? I haven't put it to I haven't committed it out to the uh, git repo yet cuz I was waiting to get a few more packages but I've been practicing packaging stuff in there and I wanted to get the, all the FL digi stuff done before I started pushing stuff out and uh I'm kind of waiting for that that FLTK to be rebuilt by them because they already kind of have it in the repository <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, there's a bug ticket on it for uh, uh getting rid of some of the static links so it plays nicer down the road and stuff like that I like Solus a lot. It runs great here on the uh, on the Lenovo uh, X220 that I picked up off of eBay. So it's it's great. So
2: how difficult is it to learn if you decided you wanted to actually package something for Solus? Because that was when we brought up Solus the first time. That was the, my biggest uh, I don't want to say gripe, but my biggest concern about Solus was the sort of lack of accessibility of prepackaged applications.
3: It is surprisingly easy. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I tried to overcomplicate my very first one when I was doing uh, Hamlib and I found out yeah I was doing it totally over overly complicated it's, uh, they have a very smart uh, uh, packaging system and building system so uh, yeah you just plug in some uh, pretty simple uh, variables like uh, where to get the package from you know the download uh, you know it gets a little hash key they even have some uh, shortcut scripts that uh, kind of build that stuff for you and uh, once you get the package built it uh, runs properly, then you can uh, commit it to the uh, Git repository and hopefully it gets ac- accepted and pushed out to the main repo. I believe you could have a separate repo for this stuff as well. There is an ability for the package manager to uh, attach to other repos, a la like uh, PPA or something like that. You know, Not not PPAs, but I'm just saying the same kind of way where you yeah, that third-party uh, right. uh, package repo. But Ooh. I haven't really messed with that yet, and I don't really think that's the the way to go. I think it should be in the main repo. Well, so you always told, want told your, them what I'm
2: right. You ahead. always want your code to be accepted into the main repo, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and there's not really any any ham stuff yet because you know this is still a fairly you know influx building system. But uh, yeah, there's just a there's a there's a you know ton of packages. I mean, I'm pretty much set with mine except for the ham radio stuff. It has everything I I would possibly need, you know. So and it looks beautiful, <laughs> you know. The Budgie desktop is beautiful. The fonts, the default fonts, are just. They're, everything's beautiful i mean even uh uh you know hex chat looks awesome i wish hex chat looked this good in uh windows but it doesn't so <laughs> <laughs> well budgie has been Solus's big selling point up till now so uh yeah and they're changing it from Vala to uh, uh what the heck are they c sharp or not c sharp sorry c plus plus or something like that uh, yeah so hopefully like,
2: c plus plus or like um what's the motto like the net platform or something
3: yeah, I don't think they're doing that. I, th- I think it's going to C++, but I'm sh- I'm sure somebody will call me out on that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't say C Sharp around here. Whatever, there, want, there is no C Sharp. Yeah, they want it easier for <laughs> extensions and stuff like that to be made for it, but it is super fast and I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. I'm a, I'm a soulless fanboy, sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say there actually is no C Sharp, but that's not true. It's actually, there's no B Sharp and no F flat, right? That's 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 the music. There's no B-sharp and no F-flat. Right. Okay. Yeah, there you go. All right. See, I know something about music. (laughs) Apparently not when it comes to what we play on the show, but I know something about music. All right. So I don't know anything about OnlyOffice, so I'm going to let you handle this one, too.
3: Breaking birthday news. Now, OnlyOffice has never been so open as it is now. It's now AGPL 3. Uh, it's celebrating its sixth birthday today, and uh, of course this was uh, uh, probably uh, a few weeks ago, but we have a big <laughs> exciting news for our open source community. We have updated the only Office server source code, making our Web Office more feature-rich, easier to install, but first things first. Yeah, you know, The uh, only Office document editors, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of notes in the show notes. I actually installed the, this uh, on on uh, on my Docker box. In the closet over there, just to try it out, and uh, it's 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 a pretty uh, full featured office system, you know, kind of like you know Google Docs or or anything else like that. It has just about everything you need, including the uh, you know the repository for the files and your editors for uh, documents, Excel you know Excel like files, I guess you call them spreadsheets and uh, presentations. And it runs uh, it runs pretty quick. You can run this at home you can run it in a docker image obviously there's already docker uh docker containers for this so you can try it out uh, at your leisure and uh you know put it up on uh in a in a do- docker node somewhere online or something like that so it looks pretty cool and it uh, it runs great does it have a collaborative document editor uh you know i think it i think the documents uh, you can see multiple users in the documents i i didn't try that but i i'm pretty certain that it's already built in to do that yeah, so they have yeah, fast real-time co-editing like in Google Docs. So if it's it's just like Google Docs. So you can see the cursor and the other person.
2: All right, well, there you go. That's another solution. We're actually trying... Well, I say we. I am actually trying to move away from the Etherpad that we use because Etherpad as a project has been dead for some time. It sort of devolved, I would say, into Etherpad Lite, which is a platform I hate and won't use. But OwnCloud has a collaborative document editor that we've talked about on a past show and now this has come out too which also has a which i'm going to abbreviate cde collaborative document editor like google apps but where google apps isn't open source this is i'm looking forward to actually giving this a shot and plus since it already has a pre-built docker container that's nice uh yeah you
3: can launch it up and test it out locally and see if it'll work for you and yeah i I set mine up and it didn't take much time at all to get it going and running. I mean, the the Docker images are pretty complete, so um, it'll set you up everything you need to get it going. All
2: right, sounds good. Worth worth a look. Of course, links to information about uh, only Office will be in the show notes, so you can check that out. Lots of uh, features that it's got here. Viewing and tracking, version history, text art. Wow. (laughs) Formula language, regional settings, adding, moving, and modifying available styles. Yeah, all kinds of very cool stuff. Does not require the installation of Mono. Works with Node.js. So it does require JavaScript, though.
3: Like most modern things, right?
2: Right. Well, based on Node.js. A lot of stuff is based on Node.js anymore, so I don't know. Get used to it, folks. (laughs) So that was all we had for our open source topic. So we're going to move into Linux in the ham shack. And this is um, sort of a free-form topic that we're going to have tonight. And this is about... the ham radio pure blend and i'm gonna let bill explain what he's talking about here because you're asking some questions and i guess you want some answers and uh yeah maybe i have those answers and maybe i don't we'll see what happens
3: yeah so you know i've been trying to you know we were talking about the pure build with uh with kale over there on the ham radio 360 podcast and you know you you definitely had a lot more information on it and i was looking at it online and you know i was like oh well the the package uh i guess you call them bundles or whatever are available meta in, packages. You know, it, yeah, meta packages are available in Ubuntu and stuff like that. But of course, they're terribly out of date because the repos terribly out of date. And if you if you didn't want to run the pure build or the pure, I guess stretch is what the most recent version of all that stuff is running under. I mean, how would you get your 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 meta package to actually build all the more recent stuff?
2: That's kind of the problem with the meta packages is they are references. they their links pre-encapsulated packages that reference the pre-built binary packages. And I don't know that you can app source the meta packages, but even if you could, that would just be a source build of the binary packages as opposed to, the, you know, installing the binary packages themselves. It'd still be based on whatever the binary package source was available in the current distribution that you have the meta package for, uh, which presumably is stretch. And in the case of Debian, Debian is notoriously slow about releasing updates to their packages because they want things to be fairly stable, even in the testing distribution. In the stable distribution, they're going to be super stable. And by virtue of being super stable, they're going to be super old because uh, they they have to be well vetted. And that's what winds up in the stable distribution. The testing distribution is a little more bleeding edge. You might have uh, a little more current software in there. And, of course, the unstable version is going to have the most recent, the most bleeding-edge stuff, and the most unstable. But I have not actually tried to install the meta packages under the an unstable version of Debian to see if that's even possible. I don't know.
3: Ah, okay. So, like, if someone wanted to get the pure blend, I mean, what would you recommend them doing? You know, which which direction would you want them to go? Would you want them to get the stretch? Would you want them to... Is there a live CD already for with Stretch on it, or, or what, what do they do?
2: Currently, there is not a live CD version based on Stretch. The, the live CD version is based on Jesse with the Ham Radio Meta Packages pre-installed. You can use any version of Debian-based distributions, that includes Ubuntu and Mint and stuff, by the way, um, based on Stretch to include the Meta Packages, because I actually did this on a machine I installed the other day where I installed uh, Ubuntu 16.04 on the machine and then did an apt install of the meta packages for Ham Radio, mm-hmm. and they were all available. Right, but they're but still of course, slightly out of date, right? But they're going to be out of date because they're based on what's in Debian Stretch, not what's in Ubuntu.
3: Not Stretch, probably in Jesse, right? Because uh, the Stretch meta packages I was looking at were like, you know, Hamlib it was up to 301 and stuff like that, and then the stuff I got on the 16.04 was not
2: um i actually i can confirm that right now by going over to that machine and seeing what i get
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, that'd be interesting to know <laughs> <laughs> well hey we've I got know, time I didn't right have any luck
2: with that we can all edit this out in post so let's give this a sure <laughs> shot um <laughs> i'm trying to remember which of the meta packages actually has ham in it uh, is it rig control all right let me try that yeah, one so. all right so this is uh, what i'm going to do live here is an install from ubuntu 1604 which is xenial Zeris. And I'm going to install hamradio-rig control, which works perfectly. And let's see which version of hamlib I get. It's actually installing something. So here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for it to actually get to the hamlib package. (laughs) A lot of Python stuff. There's chirp, flrig, hamlib.
3: Yeah, Yeah, they had an, an awesome set of tools, especially for like the SDR stuff. Hamlib... Yes, Hamli- It's Hamlib two. Okay, so it is the older one. It is apparently the older one. Okay, so so there. So if you got a new, brand new rig, right? Yeah, yeah it it'll still work sort of in a GIMP fashion. <laughs> I think you're dissing on the gimp. <laughs> 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 yeah, poor gimp. Yeah, so apparently the gimp. See, that's the gimp, though. That's that's different. That's well,
2: little- right. I suppose. Yeah, not the not the recursive GNU image. Uh, what is it a new image something processor
3: yeah something like that
2: <laughs> yeah the software application for photo editing that thing all right so <laughs> lightroom
3: what no oh wait, Never mind. <laughs> hey i like
2: lightroom that's a good that's a nice application
3: yeah yeah okay so so yeah buyer beware on this right you, you know, if you want the latest you might have to do a little uh edgier building on your uh, your Debian build, then?
2: Well, one thing we did talk about in a previous episode, and probably many previous episodes, is the idea of apt-pinning. So, even though you, you can install the meta packages from, you know, the current distribution, if they're available, and then you can apt-pin the unstable distro, for example, uh, to your distro, and then you can specify that you want to install, for example, Hamlib out of the unstable distribution, and then it will install the latest one. And then when you upgrade the meta packages, it won't downgrade your later versions because it doesn't do that. As long as your current version is late, you know, as new or later than the one you already have installed, you won't have to worry about it being downgraded. So you yeah. can uh, systematically upgrade things like Hamlib if you want to use Hamlib 3, for example piecemeal, but yes, by default, you're going to get uh, what's available in the repo, which is generally going to be
3: older. So, and then if you install, like, a PPA that has that built, it, it would pick that up as well.
2: It it would, would. Whichever version is actually newer is the one that's going to be installed, but that, of course, is only available on distros like Ubuntu and Mint, which, which handle PPAs. Debian itself does not do PPAs, so...
3: Yeah, you have to you have to add a package that does that though, right? You you still can do a PPA on a on Debian, right?
2: You can do a PPA in a
3: way, but well, you you turn it into Ubuntu at that point,
2: <laughs> right? Right, but yeah. you can you can uh, set up a specific like an Etsy apt. You can have a sources list, and you can have a specific source that has um like a third party distribution specifically for Debian uh, specific packages, which is kind of like a third-party reference to Debian packages. Not quite the same thing as a PPA, but it's the same idea. So you can then uh, have access to things that are not in the standard Debian repo.
3: Cool. Well, yeah, my my goal here with Solus is to kind of go through this list and and see if I can build all these packages. (laughs) So I'll keep you posted with how far that goes.
2: Well, I, I was interested in this too, in your question, because I hadn't actually really explored it because on my HamShack box... I'm actually using the Ham Radio Pure Blend as released for the the Debian Jesse distribution, which is what I put on there. And then I've just sort of upgraded packages as needed, like fldg and ham and hamlib, if they cause problems or if I needed the extra functionality or if there were bug fixes uh, in later versions. Uh, so I just updated them, you know, as I as I needed. But as a as a good starting point. I would recommend the Ham Radio Pure Blend. Whether you do it by the Jesse downloadable live edition, or whether you get Stretch or some later version and just install the meta packages, or even use Ubuntu or Mint and install the meta packages because they're, they're available in any of those.
3: Yeah, it does give you a, a wealth of applications and a good swath of everything that that is out there. You know, including stuff like you know PiQSO, KLog, TLF, and you know a lot of the programs we talk about all the time.
2: And a whole lot of stuff we don't talk about. That's that's. I'm probably going to use it in the future for like all the stuff we've never even touched on before because these are packages maintained by the Debian Ham Radio maintainers that we've either never used or maybe they're not super popular. It kind of goes back to the discussion we had a few episodes ago about the popularity contest. Um, yeah. And I've decided that every time I do an install now, I'm actually going to participate in in the popularity contest because I didn't even really sort of understand what that was about. And so I just always said no. I I thought this was kind of a phone home to the mothership, like give information about my computer (laughs) to like the masters behind Debian kind of thing. And I didn't really understand what it was about. So I always just said, no, I don't want to do that. Now that I kind of understand what the popularity contest is, uh, I definitely... um, think everybody should participate in it because it it lets the Debian maintainers know what packages need to be uh, actively maintained, actively updated, and what packages are actively used. And I think it's actually kind of important. So you you can uh, take that with a grain of salt. You do whatever you want as far as your own servers and whether you want to participate in the popularity contest. But uh, now that I know more about it, I think it's a good idea. Anything to make Debian better because there are so many distributions out there that are based on Debian. Anything we can do to
3: improve it is a good thing yeah it'll just trickle around the uh, whole ecosystem right well cool that, that kind of answers most of my questions i you know i just i kind of wanted to know a, a good good clear direction to go with that you know especially if you if you were interested in getting the latest packages you know it does take if you have any of the one of the original builds you know 1604 for ubuntu or mint or cinnamon you know, i guess that's meant to uh what are some of the other ones peppermint and uh yeah,
2: you know. <laughs> I don't even uh, know how many distributions are based on a million Debian anymore. of The others, yeah, yeah. there's hundreds of them probably. So, uh, right,
3: you know, like for like low level for low powered laptops, a lot of people use that uh, Ubuntu Mate and stuff like that, and you know, so they're going to be kind of on that old older build level of packages. So you will have to spend a little extra time trying to find uh, repos to uh, pick up uh, the newer packages. I know I was able to find them all for my sixteen oh four build. You know, I found a package. Uh, uh, well, I think it was a PPA for a, for a Hamlib, and uh, I think it was the same guy that does uh, the um, the uh, Logbook of the World one T, uh, or TQSL TQSL, yeah, yeah. I think he had a, the package in his repo for that as well. Because uh, when I added his repo, I it upgraded that package. If I remember correctly, I'd have to check that out for sure. But but yeah, that uh, yeah, that's that's really useful information. Oh, good. I can glad I could be of little help. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that was our free form topic on linux and the ham shack for tonight we'll actually probably have something better next time we actually do this it's been a rough couple of weeks for me as it seems to be every couple of weeks but <laughs> <laughs> it, it really was it really was anyway we're going to move on to some music for tonight and i actually found uh, kind of an interesting song uh the guy reminds me of a young bob dylan but he doesn't really sound like bob dylan this is actually a real what
3: that's you know? a good thing yeah was with bob dylan ever young <laughs> <laughs> i think he must have been at one point <laughs> yeah I guess. go back far enough right, <laughs> right.
2: So. <laughs>
1: so so he's gonna sound like even when he's a little kid, no 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 like, i didn't
2: say he sounded like bob dylan i said he looked like bob
1: Dylan. no no what, we're i was talking about bob dylan though like you know the little kids fisher price recorder like you're singing into that through like a megaphone or something
2: no 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 no
1: no bob dylan as a small child <laughs> sounded like that
2: oh i'm sure he probably yeah, yeah, did okay yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: wow never mind <laughs> sorry I said I I said about it's Bob been done. a hard week Come on. <laughs> uh,
2: <laughs> <all right>. Please. <laughs> this is by zach linton he's from australia this came out in april of last year it runs about four minutes i got it off Jumendo, as i get most things it's called maybe i'm in love we're gonna hear it now yay Okay, so that's Zach Linton with a song. <laughs> that's pretty good. Called Maybe I'm in Love from April of twenty fifteen. A young man from Australia. So they actually put out some music. Cheryl seems to think her microphone is off, but it's not. You're you're tapping. <laughs>
1: can you hear me? No, H- you cannot. Yes I
2: can. Can. What'd you do? Hit the wrong thing?
1: No, I turned it turn that down.
2: That's that's the wrong
1: the thing. The wrong thing, yeah. I see
3: that. <laughs> so. so there. Hey, at least I remember to uh, you know turn off mute. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're better than Pete. So hey. <laughs> oh, <laughs> need to have you guys Clay. Yeah. <laughs> Where's that? Where's that rim shot at? Oh yeah, rim shot. There
2: yeah, I don't actually have that in the soundboard. I need to get that. We have. I have sound bites of Pete though. <laughs> <laughs> you have Pro- sound
1: bites of everybody except for. Bill and I, right?
2: Well, yeah. yeah. I, I haven't gone through looking for stuff for we're, you guys We're yet, not so. important, so... Oh, uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, Cheryl put this in the show notes, so why don't you go ahead and talk about the next thing? Okay. All right. It's
1: because nobody else pays attention to Facebook. No, so. I pay
2: attention to Facebook. I saw it. Oh, did you? Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> LHS it's is Facebook. now part of a new Ham Radio Android app as of about 6 p.m. on Wednesday, July 27th, which was a few hours hey, ago, like today, yeah. like today, yeah. Trevor Holyoke added us to his app. That's a collection of podcasts covering all aspects of amateur radio through a Google play app. You can use this app to either stream the podcasts or download and listen to them when you're away from a data connection. Do you want me to go ahead and read this or do you want to just put it in the show notes? It's oh long. no, no.
2: Yeah. We're not going to read the URL.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I don't even know what the name of the actual app is you wanted to search for it Let it's me probably know. like
2: ham radio radio or something it's, it's, yeah it's something like that it's called I,
3: ham radio podcast okay there you, there you go, go.
1: <laughs> thank you bill yeah,
3: <laughs> so i can click a link <laughs> yeah no
1: we we were actually having problems earlier oh with- uh, we're
2: still having problems by the way for like the four people who are in the chat room we they have upgraded um the place where i store all our episodes has upgraded the server that we're on Uh, meaning there was an IP address change. So our feed is currently offline until your DNS updates.
1: Well, apparently it has updated for some people because somebody on Facebook while ago was like, yay, I've got it now. Well,
2: DNS propagation is a kind of nebulous thing. I actually had the timeout set to half a day. I have since changed the timeout to an hour, just in case this happens again. Yay. So, anyway, um, anyway, within 12 hours of six hours ago...
1: About six hours from now, yeah. <laughs> everybody will
2: have the new IP address, and all of that will be fixed. So. Of course,
1: nobody's going to hear this before that's all fixed anyway, so... Except for the four people who are listening right room, now, so right, there you yeah, go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right. So that was for them. Okay. <laughs> so. See, this is the thing. People who aren't in the chat room and aren't listening live don't get this handy-dandy... Up to date, date info. information. Yeah, right. So
1: half the time we don't get the up to date information because we're going <laughs> to sleep through those. <laughs> that's right.
2: <laughs> so anyway, that's pretty cool. So thanks to Trevor for putting that together. I'm going to download the app, even though I get my ham radio podcast from many other sources. But hey, why not? It's not going to you know chew up too many resources on my phone. So You're, and except uh, can't I can't do it actually it do it on my phone because I have an iPhone. But.
1: You'll you'll have to use your handy tablet. tablet. I do have a I do have yeah, an Android tablet. So, yeah, yeah.
3: so I'll download it on there. It looks yeah, cool. It I, like, I, it makes, I looked at yeah, it. It makes it easy to find find all the the ham radio. Uh, Podcast. Is Ham Radio 360
1: yeah. on there? I, did, I didn't I did download it, and I don't know if it's on there or not. So. Uh,
2: Ham Nation, I see Ham Nation, 100 Watts and a Wire, ARN, AmateurLogic.tv, boo. Sorry.
3: <laughs> wow. Really? I'll, I'll install it on my uh, phone while we uh, talk about the next one.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can tell us if Ham Radio 360 is on there, and then I'll, I'll stop dissing on Gary. I'm sure he's long since stopped listening to our show. Oh, so. well, Yeah. <laughs> All right. We also got an email from Torsten, Delta Lima One at Tango Hotel Mike. Always love hearing a call sign that's not from the United States send us feedback. So uh, he says, Thanks for bringing up the Pat WinLink client. I was looking for an open source client running natively on Linux for quite a while, so I was happy to be aware of that. Uh maybe one should mention that while the pat client itself is free and open source and runs nicely cross platform it does not include a winmore driver or tnc. I can work with the official windows only winmore driver and this seems to run under wine. However it is unfortunately still not possible to run winmore on a single board computer like the Raspberry Pi. Keep up the good work. I really love your show. Uh, he did all caps the love, so I had to emphasize. Ooh, ooh. Uh, seven threes from Torsten, DL1THM. P.S. Maybe worth mentioning in some future episode, as a real open source alternative to Winlink, the PSK Mail Project. Uh, and a link to the PSK Mail Project will be in the show notes. So so I was waiting for Cheryl to <laughs> sneeze so I didn't have to edit it out later. <laughs> <laughs>
1: didn't happen it, it'll be back in a few minutes
2: <laughs> anyway so maybe we will actually talk about psk mail like oh i don't know in the next episode because <laughs> bill yeah, said he never heard of I it know it's there. um i thought you said you did win more with pat
3: yeah it does it, it will
2: do win more okay why does he say it doesn't Then
3: does not include a win more driver tnc uh i don't think that's correct i don't think that's correct because it did have one Okay, I, I will double check that and I'll report on that when we do the PSK mail next episode. But uh oh, so I downloaded the ham radio podcast app. So here's everything that's in there hundred watts and a wire, amateur radio newsline, amateur logic TV, ARRL audio news, everything ham radio, ham nation, ham radio three sixty. Oh, there's Gary, ham radio now. <laughs> ICQ podcast. That's a that's a, that's a pretty good one. Yep. Uh Linux and the Ham Shack, that's the absolute best one in the Of history. course. Uh the practical amateur the Practical Amateur Radio Podcast, the Parpcast, Cast. Uh, I don't that, know if that's he's not even done any produced lately. anymore. He's so. on and off. Yeah, say, and that oh, was he's one of the questions. I don't.
2: Asked I don't think he's done one in at least a year.
3: Yeah, I did a couple of uh, blurbs for him here and there, but I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't really. I like the Practical Amateur one.
2: Radio Podcast. I wish he would do some more, but obviously life has taking him in
3: another direction. So what was his name? Jerry or something like that? Yeah, Jerry remember. Taylor. Yeah. yeah, Jerry Taylor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good guy. Um, QSO today. That's another good one from uh, the guy in Israel. Uh 4Z1UG or something like that. Yep. Uh the rain report which I have never heard of. So that's one I'm going to check out now. And solder smoke.
2: I lost I lost my nut for for solder smoke a while back. <laughs>
3: You know, I was listening to those guys, and you know, I listened to all my podcasts at you know one and a half or two times speed. So it's kind of funny. Like, you know, I was listening to the solder smoke, and they sound just like a uh, click and clack there on uh, NPR sometimes because the guy laughs so much during the episode, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just thought it's just kind of funny because it just it reminds me so much of the guys at Car Talks. You know, right. and uh, it's it's kind of entertaining. It, it's not bad.
2: I I hate to. I don't know. Make a decision based on how people sound, as opposed to how maybe they really are. But I can't stand someone who has an air of arrogance about them, and that's one of the things I don't like about Gary Pierce. And I got the same thing for Solder Smoke, so that that's why I wasn't really interested in that. But yeah,
3: yeah, I didn't really get that from them. But I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm looking at different things. <laughs> it, it's,
2: I'm sure it's just me. So it's just you. It's just me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, check that out. Link, of course, will be in the show notes. I'm going to download it. Bill's already downloaded it. So, there you
1: go. I'm downloading it now. Oh, so. she's
2: downloading it now. So, there you go. <laughs> all right. So, uh, thanks, Trevor. We're all going to check that out, and I'm sure many other people will as well. Uh, we also got a comment on episode number 172 from Johnny, one of our longtime listeners and commenters, and for JEK. Uh, he said, you mentioned dolphin in this episode and running game emulators on a pie. So I thought you might like recall box. Anyway, I love the show. Um, I looked at recall box. You, you can do a Google for it. And it comes up with RecallBox.com. recall with one L. And when I did that, the domain was dead. Now, again, that could be me, uh, build. Would you like to confirm that recall box one L is dead or alive? Um, It's alive! It's alive! It's loading (laughs) my computer now. Why? Why is it that this never works for me?
1: It's on my computer. We're on the same network.
3: I know. Oh, and there it is. Look, it's a retro gaming platform. Recall Box offers a wide selection of console and game systems, from the very first arcade systems to the NES to the the Mega Drive, and even 32-bit platforms such as PlayStation.
2: All right. Yeah. And it loaded for me when I loaded it at that time. But when I tried to load it earlier, it did not. So, anyway, uh, recallbox.com 1L will be in the show notes, of course, um, because it actually does work. (laughs) Who knew? Um, And it's being fixed
1: in the Etherpad That's right. And I'm typing it in the Etherpad (laughs) right now.
2: It's amazing how things can happen so quickly. But, anyway, thanks, Johnny, for that information that'll be interesting information for me because i love retro gaming consoles and emulators so i'm going to be checking that out uh and anybody else who likes them i'm sure we'll be checking that out as well
1: speaking of that we still need a main
2: (laughs) i i'm working on it Uh, yeah whatever yeah i am really Uh, all right well instead of (laughs) of griping about our lack of a retro console (laughs) why don't you tell us what the (laughs) the recipe this week is
1: all right well first off Um, there was a recipe in the Ham Radio 360 episode, so if you want to hear what I shared with Kale, you should definitely listen to that episode, and you can hear us talk about all kinds of Linux versus Ham Radio versus whatever stuff, so anyway, this week, my recipe is, just call me lazy in the summer, I don't like to turn the stove on, I don't like to turn the oven on, so I want recipes that are easy to fix and require very little time in the kitchen. This is one of those recipes, it's a dessert, um, and it's one of my very favorite pies in the world, and it's for key lime pie. You need a prepared graham cracker crust, uh, three cups of sweetened condensed milk, which will be about two cans, I believe, a half cup of sour cream, three quarters of a cup of key lime juice, that's very important here, and one tablespoon of grated lime zest. You warm up your oven to 350 which is 175 degrees centigrade, and mix all that stuff together, dump it in the pie shell, and bake it for about five to seven minutes. Don't brown your pie. Take it out, chill it, and eat that puppy, and it is very, very good. And that is the recipe this week. And the recipe, of course, will be in the show notes.
3: Yeah, I made that one on uh, that you mentioned on the Hammer Radio 360 for 4th of July, and uh-huh. that's great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Cheryl actually made two of them.
1: Yeah, two 9x13s of them. So. Well, I thought one was a 9x13, I mean, one was, was an 8x8. 8x8. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So no, um, I did
3: I did the, the strawberries and the uh, blueberries. Blueberries. Together. Yeah, yeah, that's what did. And then, and then I made an American flag on top. That's what, what, I what Cheryl did too. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I was gonna take a picture and send it to you, but I, <laughs> Yeah, I, I
1: don't even think well actually did we get a picture of it? You may have got I one. I
3: think I may have got one. Yeah.
1: But. Yeah, we had hey. we had a little bit left over and people were you know, we had we had some leftovers from the thing and every day the next day I was asking people who wants to take some leftovers home? And everybody was, is there any of that cake thing left? I was like, Yes. They're like, I definitely want some of that. And everybody, one girl was like, I ate it two days later, that stuff was amazing and I was like, All right, whatever.
3: <laughs> so Yeah, it keeps getting better the older. Yeah, it got. yeah. It the longer really
1: <laughs> the longer the the graham crackers can absorb the moisture from the cool whip the better it yeah. gets so yeah. and see this is just this is baiting people to go listen to that ham radio this <laughs> <Yeah, don't, don't laughs> is perfectly fine that show yeah so. well i
2: didn't eat the cake you made the icebox cake the first time or the day you made it but i you ate it the, the next day, day the next day and right. it was fantastic so yeah. anytime you can refrigerate something like that and let let the flavors sort of meld oh, yeah, yeah it, it's excellent
1: yeah it's it's better i i'm not a big blueberry person so even though I wanted to do the American flag type look with that one, um, I I prefer it with just strawberries. Um, yeah. I think with I'm the blueberries you have to
3: kind of let those blueberries soak in some sugar overnight first, and then yeah. add them to the recipe. Right.
1: Yeah, they they were a little tart.
3: What the thing we yeah. had in the if drink? If you want to keep the sweet theme going, definitely you'd even do it with the strawberries. I I would say you know, yeah, overnight a cup of sugar on top of that stuff in a bowl, <laughs> let it sit overnight, and then. And then load her up. I yeah. mean, yeah, right. it's nice and super sweet. Make and, an appointment yeah.
1: with the dentist
3: before you start eating it. You know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Don't be a diabetic and eat this recipe. Oh, not yeah, trust me.
1: I am that. a diabetic. And yeah.
3: So get that pump. Yeah, up.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> what did you start to ask me?
2: Oh, we had that drink at the order the other night. What was the thing? What was the cherry? Oh, it was a cherry. That's right. It was a true maraschino.
1: Yeah, a true maraschino cherry. Yeah, there was there was a drink. Russ and I went out uh, last week um, and tried a new restaurant. And if we were there during happy hour. So, of course, we were checking out all the different drinks they had. And they brought this drink out. And it was a apple cider or something base drink i don't remember what it was but the garnish on it was what looked like a huge blackberry or blueberry covered in granola russ is not a big granola fan and i you know i'm willing to try anything like that so our waitress walked back by and we're like okay so what is the garnish and she's like oh that's a true maraschino cherry it was pitch black but oh it was amazing yeah it was (laughs) like
2: rolled in graham cracker or something yeah and brown sugar or something yeah brown sugar i mean yeah the yeah. This is a place that has like definitely very snooty type drinks, um, but it was it was worth giving it a try anyway. So anyway, we should probably not talk about drinks. <laughs> anyway, yeah,
0: so, but,
1: so so you know you don't want to have the booze on the side type podcast. We
2: we did that a couple episodes yeah, know, ago when, when you were gone. Yeah, yeah. when you were gone. So. <laughs> and I couldn't remember that there was Coke in the Irish Coal Miner. <laughs> Yeah, I think I well. fixed that in the in the recipe, actually in the show notes. So.
3: Yeah, well. <laughs> well, we we take our meals with a drink, right? You know, as long as well, you yeah. can put it in a cup, I'll eat it. I take my i, <laughs> <laughs> I take my drinks with a meal, uh, mm. but
2: so.
1: yeah, the the restaurants that we tried out also had like goat cheese rangoons instead of crab rangoons wow. with a blackberry dipping sauce or a blueberry dipping sauce. They, they just and cashew chicken, which if you're from Missouri, you understand Missouri cashew chicken. No Springfield cashew or Springfield, chicken. Springfield. Not that's true. even Missouri. It's not even Missouri. It's Springfield Just cashew Springfield. chicken, which is breaded chicken with a cashew sauce, no vegetables or anything like
0: that.
2: It's just covered Mm -hmm. in green onion, cashews, and an oyster Oyster sauce. sauce. Yeah. It's just... A thickened oyster sauce. It's nowhere else in the country except within about a 20 or 25-mile radius of Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. It doesn't exist outside of that zone, so...
1: So, but they've got, you know, cashew chicken skewers and trying to remember what else we had, but, you know, they had tons of great and unique, you know, upscale food, I guess, you know, not typical McDonald's type stuff.
2: It's, these folks built an upscale hotel in the middle of downtown Springfield, Missouri, something that Springfield, Missouri hasn't really ever seen before.
1: Well, and the building was an abandoned building. So the building was an it. old
2: Masonic temple that they converted into uh, sort of a luxury hotel with a upscale restaurant and stuff. So it's, it's just kind of new for around here, so we thought we'd try it out. But their, their happy hour is actually pretty reasonable, so... It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we actually a friend of ours is a musician, and he was playing there that evening. So we went, "What the heck?" and walked in. They're like, "Hi, it's Happy Hour." We're like, "Oh, even better." Yes. And since no
2: one who lives around here is actually going to hear this, we might as well just say it's the devort Hotel,
0: right? Well, <laughs> and
2: so. it's their uh, in-house uh, restaurant called the Order. Yeah. So. But if anyone actually does hear this and for some reason winds up in Springfield, Missouri, yeah, you should probably
1: check, check it out. out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have a uh, hallway of bathrooms downstairs. Oh, the bathrooms. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody that goes into the bathrooms has to take a selfie. And the bathrooms are the perfect place. The walls are a, a dark, charcoal gray color.
2: Well, they're actually maroon. Uh, oh, they maroon. The, the, back, the back wall is maroon. The rest of the walls are charcoal or black but the mirror is actually surrounded by a wall of lights. So when you take a selfie, not not if you take a selfie into the mirror, but if you take a selfie away from the mirror, you actually have a perfect backdrop. It actually creates a picture of you with essentially no background, a perfectly black background. Oh, wow. And so it's become a thing to actually go there and take a selfie. Yeah, the friend. The friend because the a, illumination is just perfect.
1: perfect. Yeah, the friend that's the musician actually went down and did a song in the bathroom. Yeah, he
2: actually recorded a video in the bathroom because <laughs> because <you> know
1: and, <laughs> I was like, all right, we you know, everybody that we know has gone there. Selfies are posted to Facebook. I was like, all right, if nothing else, we have to go and just go to the bathroom and do the selfie. profile pictures. <laughs> <So>, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> So yeah, it was it was definitely a cool experience. So
2: All right. Well, anyway, you want to do the social media roundup and you have a disclaimer this week apparently. Yes,
1: I do have a disclaimer this week because of one person.
2: <laughs> no, I saw the the person is not that hard to pronounce just because he's Russian. Come on.
1: No, no well, he's Ukrainian. Well, Ukrainian. Okay. Right. But yeah, well, you can I I don't read that language. So <laughs> <laughs> I had to search around to find his actual english name i think it's actually
2: that, awesome that you got the translation out of this really
1: a lot no no <laughs> i actually had to go to like qrz or something to get i don't remember <laughs> where i got the translation but via call sign i got the english translation of the name and it, yeah but it took me like an hour <laughs> so anyway I, i'm going to do this disclaimer now i'll never do it again uh, next time i'll just apologize or whatever but because I know I've massacred other names in the past. So I would like to to throw out this disclaimer now to cover anything I've done in the past and anything I do in the future. And my disclaimer is, number one, I'm a native English speaker. Number two, I'm from the Midwest, specifically Southwest Missouri, and most folks refer to us as quote-unquote hillbillies. So we have our own form of English here. And three, I wear bifocals, and I'm staring at tiny text on a screen and typically speaking faster than my eyes and brains are processing stuff. If I massacre your name while reading it, it is not intentional. Just chalk it up to me being a blind country girl who doesn't encounter many unusual names on a day-to-day basis. End of disclaimer.
2: (laughs) So So now I'm just going to soundbite that and put it at the beginning of every, every time. All right,
1: great. <laughs> Perfect. So anyway, this week for our donations and subscriptions on our list, we have Jonas Rulio, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Harrison Kyle, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ikey, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schram, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Rob Branch Dash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gover, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, Jason Marinero, which I always get wrong.
2: Except that time. Except
1: for that time, yeah. (laughs) James Blocker, Doug Ryder, Michael Lasky, Darren King, Petro Karsakis, Donna Farron, Gary Horlick, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Piotr, Robert Pitts, and Jeff Cannell. On Facebook, we have Ihor P. Sokorchuk, which uh, U R three L C M. If I massacred your name, I am so sorry. Joshua Reinertstein or Reinertsen, Josh or uh, Wow, Charles Michael Long. That's it. I quit. <laughs> 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 On Google Plus, we have Wilson Hines, Mike Myers, Mike Myers, Woo, woo! Chris woo! Morda, <laughs> and World Hack. On Twitter, we have at WomenHam2, at KD8NOM, at GW0TQM, uh, Lyman Dugan, at uh, KG0BP, at Chertcrc, and at KC7EQO. Nobody joined us on YouTube. Nobody joined the mailing list. And there were no merchandise sales this week.
2: All right. We made it down to the end. (laughs) (laughs) woo yeah yeah <laughs> and i know that mike least, myers is I not have to read it this time right i know that mike myers is not the mike myers but hey yeah, yeah well
1: yeah you never know Ma- make him feel <laughs> special there <Right>. you go
2: <laughs> so all right so i would have said ehor p sakorchuk but yeah.
1: I, okay well i, I don't, I
2: don't know, know if that's right or not I, that's just the way i would have said it so. well
1: right but if the the facebook name is the one in parentheses what would you have said to that
2: i would have said i can't read that it's in C M. there you go you are three lcm yeah, I can read that. thanks a lot for joining <laughs> right
3: like
2: <laughs> uniform romeo three lima charlie mike that's how i would have said that
1: gotcha so. <laughs> see i tried to do better than that
2: <laughs> all right well anyway i think that's about it i'm going to hit the outro button and we're going to get on out of here so there's the music and you can become an LHS ambassador. You can visit the website for upcoming episodes and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux con or ham fest. We also love feedback. You can email us at info at LHSpodcast.info. You can comment on an episode on the website. You can post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter. Or leave us a voicemail at one nine zero nine lhs show That's one 547 7469 you can visit our IRC channel anytime you want at hash LHS podcast on free node and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts can be purchased at www.cafepress.com slash LHS podcast. You can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. You can listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 08... uh, No, that's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu time. In the summer, 0200 Zulu in the winter time. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Please check out http colon stroke stroke lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show thank you to all of our listeners live and quasi live past present and future we appreciate each and every one of you so this has been episode number 173 recorded live from studio 3d in southwest missouri and from somewhere in big bargain country in montana uh you can uh And we'll be back at it again in a couple of weeks' time. So thanks to everyone. Hope to see you again soon. Bye-bye for now.
0: have a long history.